Aloha beauties. Before we get into today's episode, I want to share with you a project that I have been working on with my friend and former podcast guest. She was actually on episode 23, Ana Perez, and that is the 2020 Big Boss Babes Super Heavyweight Calendar. This 16-month calendar features exclusive photos of super heavyweight powerlifters from across the world. But this is more than a calendar. It's more than just big women looking sexy. This is a movement. And as someone who once said, I will never be a super heavyweight powerlifter, I know how challenging it can be to love and accept yourself in a bigger body. But accepting my bigger body is what has transformed my life. Now being a super heavyweight powerlifter is one of the things that I am most proud of. My hopes for this calendar is that it empowers women and girls of all sizes to love their bodies and know that they can be considered beautiful, sexy, and strong at any size. If you want to help support this movement, it would mean so much to me if you purchase a calendar. You can only get this calendar now until August 19th, but quantities are limited, so don't wait. The link is in the show notes, and make sure to use code RANDY at checkout to save some money. If you do buy a calendar, send me a screenshot of your order so I can give you a shout out on my Instagram. And just a reminder to all of you listening that beauty is not a size or a number on the scale. It's a feeling and it's within all of us. Aloha, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the Uplifting Podcast. I am so grateful to have you with me today and cannot wait to share today's guest with you. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Banu Sikander, who is an intuitive coach and healer. She shares with us the near-death breakup that propelled her to fully immerse herself in her own healing journey and how that led to the work she is doing today. She shares with us why she believes many of us stay in relationships longer than we know we really should. She shares with us the concept of soul loss, what that means, and how it is related to the competition we experience among women. We also discuss how we can start to return to our own unique essence and end the competition among women. We talk about the importance of doing your own healing, especially if you are in the field of helping others, such as a coach or therapist or any line of work where you are helping others do their own healing. It is so important to do your own healing because if you haven't healed your own wounds, you risk transferring that pain onto others. I really love this conversation with Banu because I, especially the the conversation about the competition among women, because I personally I have experienced that in my own life, and I am really on a mission to heal that in the work that I am doing now, and I am just so committed to helping women in that competition and really build community and connection with other women. I know that this episode is going to leave you feeling inspired to do your own inner work and connect with your true soul essence. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Banu. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Lee, and I'm a business mindset coach, public speaker, world record holder, powerlifter, and self-love advocate. 
I believe that there is so much power in owning and sharing our story, which is why on this podcast, I interview other powerful women about the challenges that they have overcome to be where they are today. My goal for this podcast is to create a safe space for all women to share their real, raw, and mostly unedited stories that will leave you empowered to live more authentically, openly, and freely. If you're looking to up-level your happiness, success, and fulfillment, then you've come to the right place. Look at this podcast as your weekly dose of personal development and mindset work to help you shift into your most uplifted self. Thank you so much for pressing play today. And now let's find out what's uplifting you today. Welcome back to the Uplifting Podcast. Today, my guest is Banu Sikander. Banu is an intuitive coach and healer. After a near-death breakup, she was launched into her role as a healer who focuses on removing mental, emotional, and energetic blocks that prevent people from living a fulfilling life. So I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited too. So I would love to just dive right in and... If you would share with my audience about your near-death breakup experience and how that really launched you into the work that you're doing today. Sure. Um, I will start with, um, I guess, the the time of the event. In March 2013, I had to break up with somebody I loved but was in a toxic relationship with. And it's not one person's fault and there's no fault. It's just was what it was. And I had been in pain and struggling for a while, but I really loved him. And it's almost like the divine pushed my hand when I didn't know what to do next. And I gave this example earlier. It was like taking one last bite from a meal that you know you can't eat anymore from. And it was just like that. It's just I couldn't do it anymore. And I ended the relationship. It was incredibly difficult, very, very painful lots of crying. Um, and about maybe a month and a half after that, I found out that he'd started dating the girl. We had the biggest fights over, um, while we were in a relationship, the boundaries were crossed, um, quite a bit. And, um, we were on a shaky ground, uh, for many reasons. So, um, you know, that was his choice, but my heart took it differently. I heard a thump on my heart and then this deep ache that I'd never felt before. And I couldn't eat or sleep much for three weeks after that. And it would have gone on if I didn't interrupt it. My intuition said, you have to do something. And I could see my ribs in the mirror without even take, you know, pulling, you know, how you pull your breath in and you can see it's, that didn't even happen. Like I was just standing there. I could see my ribs. Wow. And I called my best friend who lived in San Diego, San Francisco at the time who was uh, unemployed at the, at the time, I said, I'm going to get you a plane ticket. You need to come and stay with me because I'm unable to eat and I'm not going to make it. I, know, I just know. So she did come and that helped a lot. And during that time, while I'm healing and her coming, this is me basically calling her maybe, you know, not not right at the three weeks thing, but it's like around that time, maybe the first month or so of getting into it, I still had a lot of going up to do. I didn't have enough energy, but I was spending a lot of time alone at home. One of my neighbors asked me, so 
what are you going to do from here on? I said, I don't know. I grew up in a warm place in Turkey. I don't, I never liked Seattle weather. Seattle is a great city, but weather-wise, it's just not for me. And I knew it all along. I lived there for 13 years. And he said, why don't you move to Costa Rica? I said, I don't want to learn a new language to be able to live and work. Um, going to Costa Rica for fun is great, but I, 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 we're talking about a move. So he said, why don't you move to Hawaii? I was like, Hawaii was never on my radar. I just saw pictures and I thought, oh, what a beautiful place. And I didn't have a dream of moving to Hawaii. I didn't even know people did laundry and dishes and got jobs here. Like, And when I tell this to locals, they laugh because that's how away it was from my consciousness. I had a book t- titled, around that time we have that conversation. And I'm like packing, giving things away because I know I'm not going to live in that apartment anymore. And I had so many books, um, you know, we all have our own little addictions and books were one of mine. And I had so many books and I knew I couldn't move them. So I started giving them away. I had one book named Instant Healing, written by Serge Kahili King. He is a psychologist and he is also a shaman who worked with um, and trained with a shaman in South Africa. And I had the book. I got the book because I knew that in deep inside, after years of being in therapy, I mean, I've been in therapy off and on for years, decades, and I've gone to all kinds of healers and done all kinds of therapy and coaching and art. I mean, everything you can think of that I could afford. Um, I, I tried and did and read and everything. And I'm like, why am I not healing? Something is off. And that was around the time, maybe like a six months to a year from my before my breakup is when I started asking that question, why am I not healing? I should be healed. I have, you know, I have studied this stuff. I have done this stuff. Why am I not healing? And so deep inside, I knew that there was another way, but um, my ego was attached to healing, taking years and years. So uh, even though I had the book, I didn't read it for two years, but it was on my desk. And I had this really huge, like big desk that I had lots of things on. And because I was in that state, things were going on there and being moved around over. The- and after conversation, I look at the book, I turn it to the back and I find out that the person who wrote it is on the big island, which is Hawaii. And um, I was like, ding, 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 ding. I just had this Hawaii conversation and then I'm seeing this. So I went on his website and saw that there was a class coming. Um, on manifesting. So I was like, I'm going to give away everything I have. This is my sign. There's no more doubt. And around that time, I was getting, my intuition was getting heightened. Because when you go through a dark night of the soul, lots of the pieces of our egos that protect us in our daily lives, they don't function. Like they don't come on stage anymore because now there's a bigger thing on stage. Like if there was fire, would we be worrying about our cellulite? You know, like it's, it's like that. There was a fire in my soul and it was put in there by a higher power, I believe. Even though my actions and choices in life brought me there, um, the dark night of the soul wasn't my choice. Um, so while I'm going through all of this, I'm, I know I'm going to, I'm not going to live through my life. I end up giving stuff away, buying a one way ticket and I kept, um, uh, two boxes of books and two suitcases worth of stuff. Gave away all the cool stuff I've collected over the years, all the clothes and books and the boots, everything. And uh, I hopped on a plane and came to Hawaii. 
Um, wow. When was that? What year was that? 2013. Yeah. And then, you know, it didn't end there because it's like, you know, people wonder, oh, she lives in Hawaii. She must like, that's not what it was. And it even made me get off Facebook because um, just because I was, let's say, posting a picture of a flower, it didn't was in bliss, but that's what people wanted to, that's the story people wanted to make. And I couldn't find find empathy going through so i'm like okay this i like deleted like 300 friends or something and um and also another thing i realized is when you're going through a dark of the soul type of experience engaging with other people especially people who are not healed and are projecting and attacking or reacting to other people because they're in pain is not a good thing because it 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 really disrupts your own own um own healing bubble um and then it also like contaminates it because it's harder to separate what's yours and what's not because your boundaries with the divine are very very blurred you have to be open it's like you you have not have to be you are open and it's it's kind of like being a goo you know like i'm this putty in the hands of god and i needed to get off social media i needed to be away from people who were triggering me who couldn't understand um so um, it was. It's a very alone kind of experience, and it continued when I moved to Hawaii. First of all, Big Island has a lot of jungles where there are no people, um, and so I spent a lot of time in the jungles alone because I needed to, and I also was able to access the soul parts of me that I had to leave behind. Also, by living in cities, because um, since I was a kid, I found solace in nature whenever I got a chance. But living in the city, having that access very much had stifled me and I didn't know. Um, so one of the things that came, I've always been writing since I was, a, I, I'm going to say, um, grade school, maybe junior high for sure. And I journaled a lot and that's kind of how I survived my life. I don't know if you saw that, but I wrote a blog post a few days ago about um, my past, my history and um also my own me too story so um all of that stuff was starting to churn and percolate in me along with everything that i've experienced in my life at to, up to that point and um so i started writing and a little before i left seattle i was going through a shift which is how i knew this breakup was coming and i was asking why am i not healing that question and um then I, I started learning things because when you ask, you do receive. And I genuinely wanted to know. I was so sick of it, and um, which wasn't the best attitude. But I was angry that I was still in pain. And so I was going through some shifts, and things started changing for me. And a few of my friends were like, you know, can I have a session with you? You, you Something happened to you. You've got something. I want to learn from you. So that started it. And it wasn't like I was looking to switch from being a therapist to being a coach. I wasn't actually a therapist at that point. I had been in marketing for the last two years before that, before the coaching thing started. And um, so I knew that and I put up a website and started writing articles and published the first one on Tiny Buddha. And, um, and you know, I, I've never put my work and my feelings and experiences in front of so many people. And I was so surprised and shocked how people responded to my posts on love addiction. Um, 
um, lack of basically lack of self-love. Those were the two big ones, self-love and love addiction. Because I realized that while I was suffering in the closet and trying to put up a front, you know, have a smiley face, um, that's how I survived. But that survival tactic was no longer working because what you don't tell the truth about, you don't heal. It's just not possible, you know, like we can't go to the doctor and get a wrong diagnosis or we can't not go to the doctor. When we don't go, we can't heal. So it's like that. To me, it's facing the truth that I have survived. And, um, you know, that's when when people ask me how um, how I came to where I came to be. It, it starts with my birth from being born prematurely at six and a half months and having an abandonment uh, trauma from that point before I even had words. Um, so I feel like I was being prepared for this path all along, um, but just didn't know it. And now, even in the last uh, few weeks, I've been coming more and more into my purpose. Um, and I don't think that it's a one layered thing, but um, there's several things, and one of the big ones for me is um, women's empowerment and how um, how honestly we hurt each other. There's a lot of emotional violence among women, and I think that one of the reasons is we stay in relationships that don't serve us. We stay in situations, jobs, careers, places, cities that have out you know outrun their service. And then we look at other people and then we get mad that they have what we don't have. And um, and there's a lot there. There's so much more there. There's centuries of patriarchal conditioning. Um, there's a book that um, I would love to have a book club on. It's called The Shadow King, The Power That Holds Women Back. It's written by Dr. Sidra Stone. And... That is a chilling book to read. It's it was a very big um, wake up call to me because learning about how um, we have been groomed to hate and project on other women was a result of societal changes because we were way back when it was a matriarchal society. It was a different deal than what we have now. Now we're worried about who is wearing what and who has more likes and who's getting who's, you know, it's just, we've been, I think, guided off the track. And the other thing with me coming out with my Me, me Too story is one out of three girls, one out of six boys in the U.S. will get sexually violated under the age of 18. And that says something to me. That says something, some, that says to me that women have been divided. We've been too busy competing for what? For power, for sense of value, um, for accomplishment and whatever it is that we're insecure about. We've been working. We haven't been connecting and building each other and supporting each other. We've been competing too much and we forgot what, what was important. If one out of three girls, one out of six boys are molested in the U.S., molested is not the word because there's a whole continuum of violations, right, uh, on the menu, unfortunately. There's something wrong in the consciousness of humanity. And um, our men are wounded, our women are wounded, and we're leaving wounded beings behind. Yeah, we're passing along that, that cycle, that generational yes. cycle. Yes. Anyway, I went on and on, but do you have any? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I would, I would, you know, I, I loved, I love this topic actually. I would love to know, you know, what, it, what do you think is, is the cure for this competition that we feel against, you know, among, among women? You know, I'm actually like really digging into it and looking into it inside of me, in my own history, in, in, in the history of humanity and just like being available for the divine to bring in, I'm a channel to bring in information that I need that I can share because I tell you there isn't more important thing. There's anything more important to me in life than this. It doesn't matter. Like it's not about me getting somewhere or me being this and that, maybe being able to save a fish or two, you know, uh, maybe being able to help other women. One of the components I believe is the way we're raised. So two things I learned, a father gives a woman sense of value and respect and a mother gives um, teaches you how to love yourself. If you're not loving yourself and if you don't respect yourself, you probably didn't get those from your parents. Number one, when we don't have that, when we are launched into adulthood, we're basically going off, going on uh, with a limited um, amount of our own personal value and personal power. We're already down to like maybe 50, 60% from 100%. Uh, assuming we're 100% when we're born to the world. We don't have all our ducks in a row. We don't have all our tools. There holds a, a whole bunch of gaps in our soul. We have sources. That other thing, I think that this is why I think I was pushed into working demonic work because all of the years of coaching and you know therapy didn't transform me. It helped a lot. I'm not putting anybody down. So don't write emails to me saying you're putting down therapists and coaches. Not at all. Without that, I probably would not have come to this point. But there's a reason why um, some of these things don't work because the part of you that needs healing isn't even in the room. It's split off from our consciousness. Um, it's a soul loss. It experiences trauma. Can be so many things. Some of the simplest things can be considered trauma for a child's con uh, consciousness at age three because he or she will have an understanding. Um, that's one to me. We're starting off with missing pieces. And um, what it is, is that when... From how we're raised, right? right? From how, with that. And, and that's from them not doing their own work, right? Well, you know, our parents are wounded too. I mean, I while I'm unpacking... Exactly. While I was unpacking my story, um, there's there are a lot of things in there that obviously belong to my parents because both of them were... Um, <laughs> they were blessings, I should say, at this point. But it just was a very, very painful environment for me. So the fact that I didn't turn into a killer is kind of a miracle, I think. This is a more severe version of it, and some people have it way worse. So I'm not complaining. But we don't start out with that. And then we come into this patriarchal conditioning. We get mixed messages. You know, for instance, we want attention, we want love, we want to be admired, and we want to feel attractive and beautiful and effective and smart. Who doesn't? Tell me one woman who doesn't want to feel these things. Or one person. Um, even dogs, like, I have a very close relationship with animals, and I see immediate reaction when I speak to them in loving with loving words and with loving energy. There's an immediate shift in them. And humans are the same way. We we have such um, delicate, sensitive souls, and things can really um, damage us in in different ways. So we start out that way. I believe that 
I I use the term God very loosely. I it's my higher power is the divine Shiva Allah whatever you want to call it. It's my higher power and yours is yours. Um I believe that God puts a chip in everyone when we're born. We have that divine chip. We have that chip for greatness. And when people experience soul loss, especially in younger ages, they forget who they are. The part of them that knows who they are, that was carrying that seed diligently, is cut off because it was very unsafe for that part of us to be in our present experience, in our circumstances, which was the case for me. So we walk around not knowing what we want, who we are, what our soul purpose is, because we have inner child trauma. And then we get out into the world and look at all the other women who are wearing nice clothes and are like size two or whatever. And I'm not judging that because I am a thin person right now, but I wasn't. I also had 40 pounds on me at some point. So, um, you know, I know both ends of it. I know how it feels both ways. And I also know how it feels to get judged because I'm skinny. I've gotten dirty looks at like McDonald's lines. It's like, um, you know, we're we're damaging each other. And it's not men who are giving me those looks. It's women. And I've been in the on the other side of being, you know, big and having that be a very painful thing for me. So when when I was going through my awakening and I wasn't receiving help from women, um, that was just like a big wake up call for me. I was like, what happened? Like, why can't I run to females? Like, why can't I run to somebody's arm to help me? Uh, I mean, arms to help me, to support me because they're so insecure. And here's an interesting story. And I'm not blaming anyone. Let me tell you, because I came back from a very, I came from a very similar background. So me having all these soul losses and trying to collect them over my lifetime has also caused me to act not the most kind ways to other women too. But part of it was trying to protect myself because of my mother wound. I had that already to not really have full trust in women. This stuff is really hard to talk about and I'm scared, but I have to because because there's some child being sex trafficked over there. And that's how, how does it relate to that? It's relating to that because when I'm not healed, when other women aren't healed, we're busy fighting and competing and we miss what the kids are doing. We don't know. We can't even notice what, why that child's face changed. Why are they not eating? Why are they acting out in school? You know, we're busy doing other stuff that don't matter. Yeah. We really have to do our, our own inner work if we want to stop passing this along from generation to generation. Yes. And also like being patient with other women while they're learning. Yes. Um, and, and, but also not taking shit. Like that's the other, pardon me. Yeah. Creating it. Um, yeah. Creating those boundaries. Absolutely. Yes. That's the other thing. Like I'm not going to take it from you or from anyone, but I'm also going to do my darnest to not give it to you. And if I do, if I leak out my pain onto you, I have to own it and say, you know what? I did this or I said this and that was not a good thing to do. And you didn't deserve that or I didn't deserve that to be that person. Um, whatever it is, you know. Yeah, it's so important to take responsibility. Absolutely. Um, so that's one reason to me. I mean, the fact that we have soul loss is one and that we are patriotic. If you read that book, um, Sarah Stone um, basically um, interviewed the inner patriarch of 
a whole bunch of women and recorded it and transcribed it. And it's kind of like being channeling some another part of you. And we all have that. We all have the, the good and the bad and evil and all of that in us, right? We can all be murderers, whether we want to think of ourselves that way or not. Um, so when, when you read all of that transcription in paper, it's kind of like, oh, my God, like, I think some of these things, these kind of things were so the patriarch in women is um, overpowering and um, um, victimizing other women. So it's not just it's not just our fault. Like, I'm not saying all oh, women are horrible. It's not that there is some kind of a programming in there, com outdated computer programming that was implanted that didn't actually belong there, um, that's running unconsciously, and we don't know why we feel that way towards other women or other girls or whoever. You know, um, I think there's a lot of education that needs to happen, becoming aware of, like, how did we get this way? Like, I think just is a natural um, emotion. It's like one of the human emotions that, but there's a difference between jealousy and toxic envy. Like, you, we don't get to hurt someone because we don't get to pick out somebody's butterfly wings because we're not there yet. Like, that's just not, we don't know where that person came from and what they had to give up or go through to become the butterfly that they are. You know, we can sit and hate Beyonce all day long, but she, does she care? She still does what she does. It's like me sitting here thinking about and worrying about why I'm not like Beyonce is, number one, an insult to my soul. Number two, it does no, not, no good. Like, it, it just doesn't change anything whatsoever. And this is what we have to realize. Like, my jealousy is, belongs to me. And if I feel jealous of another woman, um, which I have my own, and it's not, it's not up to them for, to take care of those feelings. It's not up to them. It's not on their plate for, for them to figure out why I have them and how I should handle them. I think there's a lot of inner child work that needs to be done when those things that come up. I have to talk to myself if I feel like if, if that feeling went in too far and tell myself that I'm great the way I am. And if I needed to look like her, I would have looked like her. If I needed to have that house or this, that, whatever, I would have. And if I, if I still can, why am I not doing the work? I think that that's the hard question that we don't ask ourselves. It's so much easier to say, oh, so-and-so, look at that bitch. You know, pardon my language, but these are the, these are real. These are very, very real. No, you can totally, absolutely. Yeah, I would love to dive a little bit deeper around this concept of soul loss. Like, can you explain that a little bit more? Like, what is that? How do we know if we've experienced a soul loss? Oh, let me see. Oh, um, God, please give me the words. Um, I think is when our soul does not feel at home and it needs to protect itself from further damage so it kind of takes off like it becomes unavailable and i call it going computer safe mode and um you will know when you don't have easy access to joy when um when you can't shake off the feeling of like worthlessness insecurity at that deep level where like even if you get five degrees or get an opera or whatever it just doesn't go away kind of thing and these are like obviously kind of extreme goals but we all have our own little goals that we have you know attained 
And um, I think the easiest clue is when you can't access joy because it's in our um, toolbox, like it's in our box of emotions that we have access to. One person doesn't have more access to joy. That is why I believe we are equal um, in terms of the the emotional um, capabilities that we have and we create with our emotions, we manifest with our emotions. So blaming somebody else for what we don't have doesn't work for that reason. But if you're not able to access joy, and if you're stuck in like, um, there's, you can look it up. It's, uh, it's Abraham's, uh, vibrational emotional scale or something like that, um, where it shows the highest level of emotion as joy. And then it goes, it's, I think 21 or 27 human emotions. This is common for all of us. So if you, if you look at that scale and if you can be honest with yourself, and see, okay, I usually don't get above resentment or I usually don't get above worry. I'm in a worry state all the time. It's kind of like neck up is irrelevant to you kind of thing. And you look at the scale and you realize that some of the top five, six positive emotions you don't have much access to, that's soul loss. It's not just depression. Yeah. Thank you for that explanation. I really appreciate that. I hope that made sense. It does. It does. So I know a lot of the work that you do with people is really helping them to connect with their soul essence. So how do you do that? And maybe explain even like, you know, if that was what soul loss is, is like your soul essence, is that reconnecting with your true self? Can you explain that a little bit? Well, um, because, because while sitting in a, um, in a room with another person, it's so much harder to just be like, Oh yeah, I just accessed my, I basically set up, um, I do shamanic work and I don't want to call myself a shaman, even though I am, um, because I haven't had the in quotes of particular training that some people went through. That's like official. Here's your diploma. I went through the, um, down in the dirt version of it. Um, and I think that I was always uh, as sensitive and I could always read people. Um, but, when I started working with people, I had this experience in 2016 where I was going through another one of my um, down deep, um, you know, down on my knees moments. And I prayed. I said, please, please give me a way to help people who are feeling the way I do. And it was a genuine heartfelt prayer. So when people ask me, how do you do this? I just say, I prayed. You know, and and after that, I I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I prayed. It came like I totally forgot about it. And I continued, you know, when I had a session with someone and one day I was having the session and. And then she I, and somehow had good rapport, maybe that's why. And I said, let me see. I was already doing readings and channeling. But I said, let me see if we can access that part. And then it came to me and I downloaded it kind of and it made it I made it my own and I put my other pieces in it it's kind of like my form of um chocolate cake and they're like probably a hundred ways to make delicious chocolate cake but this is mine and i basically access ask for permission and access i ask to be shown where i need to go first of all i never think that i know what's what i need to do with that person and i tell you it gave me so much freedom i have responsibility that doesn't void me of responsibility, but um, 
I'm not the one who's doing the healing. I'm just facilitating it. And I have an ability to remove things and put things in there. And I didn't know that until I hurt a whole bunch of people. <laughs> and then I could heal a whole bunch of people. That's how I knew that I could, I had it in me. I didn't know I could hurt people deeply. I didn't know I could heal people deeply. So now that I know I can do both, um, it's really, um, it's on me to not do the other. You know, it's like, it's, it's on me to control that, um, gift. I can't take my gifts. Um, um, I can't, I can't, um, how should I say? Um, I can't brag about my gifts, even though I want to, and I have, because God gave for a reason. He gave them to me to use, to help other people. He didn't give them to me to, you know, show off. And sometimes I want to, because I have that little girl in me who felt completely invisible and powerless. But this isn't about me. This is about me helping others so I can actually redeem myself. I can redeem my own past and I can find meaning in my own pain. Because I tell you, if I sit and just think about what I experienced in my life, I just want to put both middle fingers in the air and be like, I'm never coming back to this planet. But then I think about, I saw a girl, a tiny girl, maybe like three, four years old without arms on, um, on Facebook and I put it on my desktop because I tell myself this is who I'm doing this for and this is why I also protect my work because because it's divine work it's not for someone to be like oh let me do this maybe I can charge more money that's not about that do you know what you're going into when you go there you don't so it's like I think that it's a good aspiration to have but I think that people really need to be careful one time I met this girl and she's like um I'm a medium. I just do this and that. And I was like, she was like, I said, listen, this isn't fun. This isn't for joy or like, be like, oh, I'm a medium. I talk to spirit. That's not about that. You're not given this gift for that. And first of all, this attitude is the reason why you should stay away from doing this for a long time. You know, I'm sorry, but there's a lot of responsibility in soul work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, that's why it's really important to make sure that the person that you're working with has done their own healing and their own inner work as well. Because I see that that's, you know, a lot of people online nowadays are getting burned by coaches or getting, you know, hurt by coaches. And I think it goes back to them doing their own, their own inner work and their own healing because we all have healing to do. And it's not, and it's not, you know, I don't want to say like we talked about earlier, it's not to say that once you've done that, you're healed and you're, you know, like, but it's, it's a continual process and we have to always be in, in that process. Would you agree? Yes. I can't put my, I cannot put my, um, um, shield of awareness down. Like when I'm working with someone, the person who's working with them is a better person than me. Is like my healer self is a better person than me. And that's the case for all healers because I have an ego. We all have an ego. And if you cross me, I don't know what happens. Like, you know what I mean? And not cross me like you didn't agree with me, but take trying to take something valuable away from me that is related to my soul. Um, and But that's not happening while I'm in a session. So that part of me is not on stage. And I have to be aware of what's on stage. Like the other thing is, I'm not afraid to help my clients surpass me. It's like, that's the other thing. It's like, I think that 
I read somewhere and I realized you're not a master unless you um, train people to pass the torch to or something like that. I'm not saying that I'm there, but I'm aware that I cannot block someone's blessings while I'm in that role or any role for that matter. So I have to give all that I have and all that I receive for them. And when I'm in a session and I'm connected to that person, all I care about, all I care about is bringing what they need from their higher power and help them collect soul pieces that belong to them. They don't belong to me. Everybody has a different soul purpose. And the reason we don't know is because we have soul loss. I believe that. And if somebody has a different opinion, I'm willing to hear that. But I haven't encountered anything different. And if that wasn't true, after like years of therapy and changing 10 therapists over the years, since I was, I don't know, nine, um, I would have healed already, you know? And um, so I think that there are people who can. I actually know a lot of people who have healed through through therapy and coaching and have made great progress in their lives. But sometimes the soul losses are so big and so many that you do need deeper work and you have to find someone you trust to go there with you. I believe I have the compassion to hold space when I, I first of all, there isn't anything I've seen everything in life. Okay. There isn't anything that I'm going to judge in somebody else. When I go into that space in my daily life, do I judge? Sure. I do. I'll lie. I'll be lying if I say I didn't, but when I'm in that soul space, there's no judgment at all. Everything is for humans. It's like judging somebody pooping. Like really? Like that's just, a, that's just a common experience. I don't care what they did. Right. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. That's just so Thank you. I hope, so insightful. I hope it was okay. Yeah, I kind of just like It's very helpful. So, you know, before I get into the last question, is there anything else that you know, you wish I would have asked you or a final message that you would like to leave with my audience? Um, yeah, and I hope I can say this without crying too much. <laughs> um and that's um There is greatness in you, even if it's covered under a whole bunch of muck and drama and pain. It's there and it's needed and it belongs to you. And you have to do everything in your power to get it back and live it. And that's going to be your highest purpose. You're looking for a purpose. This is your purpose to rescue your own soul. That's what I got to say. Oh, oh my goodness. Ah, oh, that's just so beautiful. Thank you for that beautiful message. And the last question that I always ask my guests is related to taking action because, you know, mm-hmm. while it's great to, you know, talk about all these things, I really believe that we have to start integrating it by taking action in our lives. So what would be three action steps that someone could take today to live a more uplifted uh. life? Well, number one, um, I'll just tell you what works for me. I pray a lot. I pray a lot in order to get honest because what happens is we lie to ourselves. It's not easy to own some of those things that are hard, that are like, um, that are painful, that are maybe parts of our shadow and we were taught not to love. Um, so what I found is that praying to a higher power who I know knows everything about me already. 
who's hiding, where am I going to hide? <laughs> um, is very liberating and it, it helps me find my own truth. It also humbles me. It makes me ask for help for things that I probably normally wouldn't until I said, I messed up. I've gotten out of situations by just praying that seemed miraculous. And the only reason they worked is because I that I was being supported. I mean, that's one of the benefits of going through hardship, uh, whatever it took. Um, is that once you are, if you're alive right now and you're listening to this, no matter what you lived, somebody was taking care of you. It was you that got here on its own. You know, it wasn't me that brought me here because people who have had a painful past, who have been abused, tend to be very self-destructive, and I am one too. So um, if I don't spend time in my divine nature, if I don't cultivate that, I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't make it and I made it to this day. So I know I'm being protected and supported and guided. And first of all, all I'm, you know, I'm guided. I know this because when I just take things in my own hands and try to make decisions out of my own fear and wanting to control, because that's what our egos want to do. They want to control. And, you know, things just get um, very contrived in my life. I find that I don't have as much as much access to joy. So I think that when you ask for action, the action needs to come. There's a word I really love. The word inspired is in-spirit-id. It. So inspirited, inspired. So the action, the, the goals, the, 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 um, the actions we're going to take need to come from um, inspiration. And inspiration only comes when we surrender. Like, if I don't ask, how can I do this? How can I help more people? What do I need to eliminate in my life? And and if I don't listen, if I don't pension, then I'm just going to do whatever. And I'm still going to get where I'm going to get to, I believe, but it probably is going to be a longer route. Um, so praying and finding a way to connect to that place inside um, where we know that we are being held in the hands of God all the time. And the only one who's resisting it. <laughs> I resist it with my thoughts. I resist it with my beliefs about myself. Um, I would say that's number one. And number two, the other tool I have that really works is journaling. Journaling is another way. Like I pray and then when I journal, I process and I get to receive because this this also belongs to everyone. This isn't this isn't like a super um, you know, wizard's tool that nobody else gets access to. You can journal, you can let things out and if you keep journaling after you're done complaining then the answers are going to come that's why i know that i'm protected and supported and guided because i've been writing it you know um and and if you're doing this you're going to have less dependency on other people less fear more courage i i mean i ask um I ask for guidance and support and yes or no from the universe for a lot of my decisions. Do I buy this? Do I get this? Do I talk to this person? Do I respond to them? Um, I ask those questions because sometimes my ego wants to make decisions that aren't in my highest good. And that doesn't mean I'm hurting someone, but it's like, oh, goody, goody, I get to do that. I'm like, no, you don't get to eat your dessert before you eat your protein, you know, something like that. I don't know if that answers your question. I feel like I went in a tangent again. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And where can people find you and learn more about you? I have a website, astarinthedark.com. I also have um, have a Facebook group called Heart Alchemy Crusaders, 
that I just opened back up again. Uh, and I may change the name, but it is that right now. And um, yeah, those are the two ways to reach out to me. Um, yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity you gave me to speak all of this. And hopefully um, it will help someone who's listening. Absolutely. I absolutely know it will. Thank you so much for sharing all of your light and your wisdom just so freely today with my listeners. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your day with me. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss one. If this episode really resonated with you, it would mean so much to me if you screenshot and share it with your friends and family or share it on your Instagram story. You can also rate and review the podcast on iTunes, which helps me spread the message and get the podcast heard by more people. For more self-love and powerlifting inspiration, come follow me on Instagram or join my private Facebook group, Self Love School. The links are in the show notes. And until next time, stay uplifted.